Hi everyone, I'm Rosie Ward and this is Show Up as a Leader. In today's episode, I interview the dynamic, wonderful, incredible leader, Laura Hall. You'll learn more about her, but she has her roots in the fashion industry. And I have to admit, I've always had a stereotypical view of what I thought that industry was like until I met Laura a couple of years ago. She is my accessory sister. She is a fellow founding author of Conscious Capitalism Press, and she's really out to leave the world a better place for her kids and her grandkids. She is doing so much good in this world and really shifting how we make a statement by where we spend our money, by where we show up, how we show up. And as you'll hear, she really tries to teach people to start somewhere. We all have an opportunity to make an impact. It doesn't have to be some big, grandiose thing. And we need to look more at progress more than perfection. I always walk away from every interaction with Laura feeling energized, feeling encouraged, hopeful, and inspired. And I think you'll feel the same way. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Show Up as a Leader. I am super, super excited to have with me one of my fellow Conscious Capitalism Press founding authors, Laura Hall. You're going to learn more about her, but she is just a dynamo and she is a global business leader in the fashion and consumer goods industry. And she's founded so many good things. And rather than getting to her bio, I just want to get into it because I just love spending time with this woman. So Laura, thank you so much for being here. I am so delighted to be here, Dr. Rosie. They always call me Dr. Rose. I love it. So I have to, so we have to talk about how we um, met. So it was the Conscious Capitalism Conference in 20, I got to back up, 2019, correct? Yes. 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 It was 2019 and they were doing a special reception for the founding authors of Conscious Capitalism Press. And so you'll see it in the show notes. And we're going to talk about Laura's fabulous book, The ABCs of Conscious Capitalism for Kids. And so there was four of us women and we met and we decided after the reception, like, let's talk, let's get to know one another. We had some wine, we had lots of good laughs. And I just feel like we're kind of kindred spirits. And so it's just been so fun to um, get to know you. And, you know, I was actually thinking about this in preparation for our session today. And, you know, with, um, with RBG passing away, I was just thinking about, you know, where we're at as women in business and where we wouldn't be had she not advocated for all the things that she advocated for and really our opportunity to show up as leaders and use our voice for good and to pave a path uh, for others. And really we stand on some incredible shoulders with her and others. And you've done some incredible work and you have an incredible history. And so for people who aren't familiar with you, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your journey and kind of what you're passionate about. Talk a little about Wise Partners and the other things you're up to and we'll go from there. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm so happy to be here talking to you. You and I have what I think is a wonderful friendship that started over a year ago, and it is a combination of admiration, and you inspire me as well. I think what you're doing uh, is an example of what women in business are doing to rehumanize the workplace, and that is so essential. Rehumanizing and creating a human experience for everyone right now is so important. And when you mention uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and all of the things she did in her life, 
you are so right. We are standing on the shoulder of many women like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and we must not give up, and we will not give up. That is my commitment. Um, I have had an amazing career uh, in the global consumer goods industry, mostly fashion. Uh, I've been doing uh, what I've been doing for over 30 years. My last corporate job was president of accessories for Polo Ralph Lauren. So I've been in the fashion industry for a long time. And, and you know that I love my accessories, by the way. <laughs> like I am all yes. about the accessories. So that makes like, I was like, oh my God, a fellow accessory person, yay, okay. Oh yes, it's what access, it, accessories are what separate us from lower life forms, I believe, is the ability <laughs> to accessorize. So absolutely. I have to, I have to, I have to tell you, so, so just before we get tangent, but I was, I was talking with one of our, our neighbor girls earlier this week and talking about when uh, I was younger, my niece, she's now in her 20s, but when she was preteen, I would get bored with some of my accessories. So I would bring over my leftover scarves and jewelry and whatever, because I have a ton of it and I just keep getting more, not that I need anymore. And I would just bring it over and go, here, I'm done. And she was just in heaven and her friends would come over and they would say, I want an Auntie Rosie. And then... <laughs> And then my sister at one point said, um, excuse me. She said she was talking to Samantha, her daughter, and, and she said, mom, it's all about the accessories. And she was, mm, who does that sound like? And I was like, yes, accessories rule the world. Anyway, sorry. I, had to stop. <laughs> I believe that as well. Yes. And uh, so I have really, really uh, benefited from the world of fashion accessories. And I think I became an unconscious, conscious capital uh, when I actually started working for Burberry. So I've worked for two amazing fashion brands. Burberry got a chance to live in London. Uh, Polo Ralph Lauren lived in New York. Uh, I, I believe that I've always thought that how we interact as human beings makes a difference. And in business, as I got more and more responsibility, I began to realize that what we do as leaders in business, whether we are conscious of it or unconscious of it, makes a huge difference. And I began to realize that in my industry, the fashion industry, we were running into problems. This was, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago at Burberry, we were beginning to realize that we were coming up against finite resources. So my journey to becoming a uh, a conscious fashion accessory diva uh, has been a long one, but I am fully committed to it now. I am a capitalist. I believe in business. Uh, and I believe that the fashion business, for example, is critical. We, you know, we are what we eat. We are what we wear. And uh, we are what we buy, I say many times uh, in conversations. And we are what we don't buy. So I have a whole list of great fashion brands that uh, I can share with your uh, listeners uh, at a certain point, because I think it's really important for us as business leaders and in my industry, the fashion industry, to show up. And I, I think your invitation to me today about how to really show up as an impactful leader has never been more important and never been more important in my industry, fashion. Yeah. I, I love that. And I remember when you shared some of that list with us at the Conscious Capitalism Conference. And I just think, you know, there's this 
huge movement of social responsibility and people really paying more attention, looking at what's happening to our climate and to what's happening in our world. And I think that a lot of us, we don't know. Like I remember I had no idea about some of them, just, oh, I like them or I don't, or this is cute or this isn't, or it makes me feel good in it or it doesn't. And as you start really researching companies, I mean, I think when you start to look at, you know, why Tom's as just one example of many, right? That people grab it, oh, they're doing good in the world. And, you know, Patagonia that's trying to heal the environment. You look at any kind of fashion or clothing, um, there's so many good and there's so many not. And the more educated people are, at least they have an opportunity to make a choice of where do I want to spend my hard-earned money and where do I want to invest? And, you know, we, we have a lot of ways to let our voices be heard and how we to spend our income, how we choose to spend our money is one, one way. And so we can choose to do it. So I love that. And we will absolutely that list. Oh, I think it's yes. hugely important. Voting with our pocketbook is really important. Yes. <laughs> as well as voting period, right? In elections, which oh, when this comes out, it will be absolutely. just prior to. So yeah, that is true. So on an aside, please vote. Yes. 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 I will have already, by the time this comes out, I will have already voted early voting, mail and voting, whatever, but yes, our voices do need to be so many ways. So t- speaking of using your voice, tell me about then how your career evolved and tell me about Wise Partners and, and how that came to be in the work you're doing. Well, <clears throat> Wise Partners was created because I uh, was at Polo Ralph Long as president of accessories and I knew two other amazing women uh, who began to have conversations with me and we had conversations with other women. Uh, We reached a point where we decided that in order to be the most effective uh, at this point in our careers, we've all sat in the C-suite in business uh, at least twice. Uh, My partners, uh, Dawn and Helene, are fabulous uh, as well. And we decided that, you know, it was time for us to take what we had learned and what we knew about how to create good brands uh, and to do it for more than just the one brand or two brands we had worked for or were working for. Uh, I had not ever been a consultant. Uh, Both Dawn and Helene had put their toes in the water of consulting before I did, but I am so happy that I did what I did. I took a step. Uh, I left Polo Ralph Lauren. I still love the brand. Every brand that I've worked for, I can say with real honesty, that I learned something from all of them and it was great. But it's a whole different level when you're a consultant. Wise Partners was created by three women who believe that it's important to to be successful. We are all capitalists. We all believe in helping uh, retail consumer goods brands. That's our track record and our history. But help them when they're navigating that real precarious position between being profitable and having purpose. It's really, really hard. Uh, Part of conscious capitalism is that triple bottom line, Rosie, as you know, profit people planet. But at WISE, we say, you know, you can't help people or the planet unless you're profitable. So I am an unabashed capitalist. At WISE, we believe that it's part of our job and our remit to help our clients figure out how to do both of those things. And without being profitable, you cannot do the things that need to be done. Yeah, you can't serve your purpose or do any good in the world if you don't have a foundation of, like the money is the fuel, right? The profit's the fuel. If you don't have fuel, you're not going to get Perfect analogy. Absolutely. And 
at, in my book, The ABCs of Conscious Capitalism for Kids, which is 20 size little bite-sized nuggets of all the great things that it takes to be a great person in business. M is also good because money matters and money's like water. It flows. So the way you use it can make a difference. So we really believe that we are at WISE, our tagline is we hear you. And uh, <laughs> we didn't realize that over the sec last six months, uh, we would be using that tagline more than we ever had before. We've had to pivot in the last six months like other uh, business organizations. We are taking on more clients that I would say we might not have taken on before. We are working with clients in that five to 10 year space of brands who really, really are trying. And we have made a commitment to work with brands who are really committed to social responsibility right now. So uh, I'm, I'm happy about that. We've never worked harder, but it's really, really important to help these brands who have maybe been in a position five years ago or even three years ago that they wouldn't have been able to succeed because of being minority or disenfranchised. We're committed to having a certain part of our portfolio be committed to companies who are trying to really engage in that space. I love that. So let me ask you this. What are some of the things that you're learning as you're working with these companies that you said maybe more normally would not have in the past? What are some of the key lessons you're taking from your recent work with them? That's a good question. Uh, the first is that I am learning. We are learning more than we thought we would. You know, part of being a good leader and being successful is, is not ever losing that ability to learn and that humility to say, you know, you can teach me. I need to learn, not just teach or not just pass along these great pearls of wisdom. I would say the two things that have made <laughs> a big difference uh, with our clients right now, and, and it's true for small brands uh, as well as large brands, is start somewhere. You have to just start somewhere. So wherever they are on their journey, wherever they are in terms of, you know, profitability or not, a sustainability or not, don't think that being a great leader is about doing something big or the big gesture. And the truth is that leadership uh, is about every action we take, large and small. So just starting somewhere is, is the right thing to do right now and pick, helping our clients just pick that one thing to start with if they're still trying to figure out where to focus. That's what we're good at is helping them decide where to start. But you can't wait till you're perfect. And that's the other one. We believe in progress, not perfection, because if you wait uh, until you think you're big enough or got your act together enough or you've, you've got your infrastructure just perfect before you're going to go out and do business, you will never get there. So just start doing it and progress is good. And yeah. we many times we expect, you know, that we're not good enough or smart enough or perfect enough. Well, if you want to wait till you're perfect enough, you'll never do it. Right. I, oh my gosh, there's so much I, I love in that. So I, I, wa I want to pack on that. And I feel like this is going to be a theme. So one, I love the, the start somewhere. I think that so many people, myself included, uh, we all have self-limiting stories, right? Who am I to do this? Or, you know, like you said, it has to be perfect. And, and it keeps us from going anywhere. It's like, we're paralyzed. And I love that. It's like, yes, we can do something like, you know what, if you want to make a difference, it could just be, you start to choose to purchase more, 
uh, brands that have more social right, that's starting somewhere, or you vote in an election that's somewhere, or you know what, you speak up when you hear some humanized language language, or, you know, it's small stuff. You teach your kids something which, which your, your book is doing tons. So I just, I love that because I think people don't sometimes see themselves as a leader. And that whole purpose of this podcast is to help people, regardless of their role, see you can be a leader. You have to start somewhere and it can be small. And I believe that that how we make a difference is in those small moments accumulate over time. It's not some usual once in a while, but it's that can be right of just showing up. So I love that. And I also love the, the, the progress over perfection. I think we say that a lot too, like don't let pro or perfection be the enemy of progress. And, you know, I think as a ongoing recovering perfectionist, I'm always me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Join the club, right? Accessories and perfectionism. There we go, right? Yes, there you go. I love it. And I'm regularly reminding myself, uh, like when with business or with anything, like what's the MVP? What's the minimal viable product to do something, you know? And so like, I never used to put videos on LinkedIn and I'm like, who cares what I have to say? Or the video is going to be crappy. And people want realness, not, and not polished and perfection. I think now, like they just want humanness. So I just, I love, yes, I love that so much. I just, there's so much. Left. So, so I'm going to ask you some questions around that for personally about you showing up as leader, but I want to go back to, let's, I want to talk about um, your book for a second. Cause one of the things that you said and talk about how it came to be, but I literally have it opened. I just flipped it open. Now what page do I want to talk to Laura about today? And you talked about being a learner and I'm a huge learner and I just randomly happened to open it up to the queue questions, which I think is super appropriate today. And I love you have a Chinese proverb at, at the top of Q. He who asks a question remains a fool for five minutes. He who does not ask remains a fool forever. And I just like, oh, that's just, I, I love that. Right. And, and, and you talk about how many times have you felt silly asking a question? Do you feel nervous or worry what others would think of you? Sometimes people worry that asking questions shows they don't know something and makes them look, think again. What if instead of being scared to ask questions, we embrace them with open arms and asked a lot of them? With good questions, the world and business stronger, better, and more adventurous. Like, I just, I just, I, I love all, oh my gosh, I love that so much. So talk to me about how your book, The ABCs of Conscious Capitalism for Kids, which by the way, it's not just for kids. This is a great book for anybody. But tell me how it came about. What was your impetus and purpose behind writing it? And what are you hoping people take away from the ABCs? Well, I wrote the ABCs of Conscious Capitalism for Kids because I, in addition to being a business leader, I am now uh, a mother and I am now a grandmother. That grandmother thing really forced me to look at my behavior, not just in public as a business leader, but as a personal, you know, parent, grandparent, and what kind of example I was setting uh, at about the same time was when I was becoming really aware of the fact that I had a duty, you know, to the business world to show up as a conscious business leader and what that meant. I wrote this book as both a legacy and a a, a legacy of love and, and a lesson to my grandchildren for how to be in business and that business is good. Business can be good. It does not have to be the way uh, we are hearing about it and have heard about it. I think children are incredible. They're changing the world. They're going to change the world, as I said in the book, and they're definitely leading that next generation. And some of the things that I... <laughs> 
I did when I wrote the book was I thought, well, I'm going to inspire these kids to be better business leaders. What actually happened, Rosie, is that while I was writing the book, I became very, very aware of how much I was learning by writing the book about how much children can teach us, actually. And, you know, there's that, I don't know, there's a book or something about, you know, what I learned in kindergarten and how it serves me now. Well, you know, in point of fact, that became very clear to me that we all need to kind of sometimes look at some of those values that we learned when we were children. And if we didn't have a chance to learn them because we weren't fortunate enough, that we need to make sure that every child today and in the future has a chance to learn those kind of great values. I was fortunate. I grew up at a, at a, at a moment and I had good parents, but I also grew up at a moment in time and I, and I share this with some of my colleagues sometimes, and I think I've shared it with you, Rosie. I grew up at a moment in the South where I saw good things and I saw bad things. And I believe it is also my responsibility, another reason I wrote the book, is to create a world where children don't have to see and hear the things that I did. I don't think they should. I think uh, we owe, we have an obligation as well as a privilege to help these children. And I love that you pointed out the cute questions because the one thing about children is that they just naturally are curious and ask questions. So you know what? I've learned a lot in the past six months from some of these calls because kids have been on the calls that are Zoom with their parents because they're at home. And I've been thinking more and more about how perfect it is that we have this moment. And I wrote an article recently for B Lab, B Corp, because I believe, you know, you and I've talked about this. I think that B corporations are amazing North Stars and companies that are B Corps, especially in fashion, like Eileen Fisher and Patagonia are doing great things. But you know, we, I wrote it and I thought, I wrote this article and I ended with thinking, you know, maybe this whole thing has not happened to us. It's happened for us. And mm -hmm. I believe where, it, where our children uh, come in, it's really never been more important. And so I think I wrote the book as that legacy of love, but I think it's turning out to be more than that. I think it's now something that's turning out to be a lot more about how we connect between generations. And I love that you say, you know, it's a good book for children, but more and more I'm hearing that the parents are sitting there reading the book with the kids. And I was on an event last week with the Conscious Capitalism chapter of San Diego, and we had a great event with kids and their parents sitting in front of the screen on a Zoom call deliberately to talk about it. And these young people are doing amazing business things already. I salute them. I love that. I, I love that so much. So I'm curious, you know, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about I want to say like a little over a year ago, I remember I just got inspired to write a, a blog article and it was life, life and leadership lessons that a nine-year-old right? And it was, it was a parenting misstep with my kid, but it was like, there's so much we can learn to them, which going to the cue questions. I think if we're open and we let ourselves be curious rather than judgmental and we look at um, things from a different perspective, there is so much that like, kids are so resilient. Kids are naturally curious. Uh, they 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 demand more. They ask more. And I think yeah, we lose that somewhere um, along the way. So what are you said? You've learned a lot uh, from from the kids, from your own kids, grandkids. What what are some of the biggest lessons that they've been teaching you? Talk about showing up as a leader, right? Kids can show up as leaders. What have you been learning from these kids over the past? Six that is really really interesting. Uh, and I hadn't thought about you know 
quantifying all the things that I've learned from the past six months with interviewing children or talking to people uh, about the book. The first thing maybe is that, you know, <laughs> we all take ourselves so, oh my heavens, we're in a meeting where we, we believe that we must, we, we must make a difference. We must say something significant or we've not made an impact in that meeting or that conversation or that initiative. And, you know, it, it kind of goes back to just, just do it. You know, I love that Nike thing, you know, and what my grandchildren teach me is that it's important to just do it, you know, and not to worry so much about how it looks or how it feels or how it sounds, but we all just have to be there. And I, you have to start really, somewhere, right? Really, we do. We have to start somewhere. And in business, what we have to start realizing is that those children uh, are our future employees. They're our future customers. And so it's not a bad idea to start listening to them. What I've learned is that some of them could actually be, you know, on a focus group or on a board of advisors. When we talk to brands about how they're learning what to do or what to say or what to offer their customers. We are living in a consumer driven, you know, business environment. I was uh, on a conversation a few weeks ago with another young man who's a conscious capitalist. Andrew Brady said, you know, I'm now going to go away and I'm going to start making a list of all the young people that are going to be the advisors for these companies that I work with. And you know what? It's true. This whole thing about what we can learn from them instead of always teaching, I think is really important now as we think about the generation. We are in a unique moment in history, clearly, and we all have to stop, look, and listen to everybody. And these kids ask and do and interact in such amazing ways. I can't, you know, if you had told me that some of the ideas that they have come up with and, uh, like a juice bar and we're going to have great music because it's really important to dance and get healthy while you're drinking your juice, you know, and you know what? I could sell that idea tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be there dance party. So I'm, I'm all over that. <laughs> I'm there. Yes. <laughs> They're inspiring. Children and kids are inspiring and we need to let them inspire us. Yeah. I love that. I, I do think with our world is really divided and divisive and so serious. Yeah, there is, I think that we forget to play. We forget to rest as soon as we forget to laugh. And so, yeah, I, I love that hundred percent. So let me, um, let me ask you this. So one of the things that I know you talk about and you talk about this under the letter R is the, the social wealth index or SWI. And so I want you to talk a little bit about why you're so focused on that and, and what people can learn from that. And, and again, how they could show up as leaders. Well, you've touched on a subject that is really close and near and dear to my heart. And when uh, we talked and you said, what am I doing right now uh, to, to help me show up as a personal leader? Uh, not just a business leader, but to use my business leadership skills to help the world. This is something that I have been working on. Uh, I am part of a group, uh, a global task force of public policy leaders, social scientists, uh, banking, finance, and business leaders. We are coming together. We believe that we need to create another measurement tool 
in addition to GDP, to measure the social wealth of a society, of a country, of a business. This social wealth index, or SWI, takes into account uh, human capital and natural capital in ways that the GDP does not. And one of the things that we share with everyone, and I, I don't know who knows it or who doesn't, but GDP measures negative things as well as positive. So the GDP is measuring uh, guns, it's measuring fossil fuel and, 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 and all of the things and extractive mechanisms and methods and processes that create the, that growth and that domestic growth that we all that gross domestic product that we look at every day and businesses look at it and governments look at it. And that's not the only way that we believe to me we should be measuring what a society or the real wealth of a society or a nation should be. Uh, the social wealth index is a new measurement tool. It measures the inputs and output, outputs of what it takes to create a better economy that cares for people and the planet. And it ties so directly and aligns perfectly with conscious capital. I believe that we measure what matters and what matters gets measured. That is a basic business axiom. And, and so therefore, until we start measuring things that are really going to help us know we're creating a conscious company or a conscious uh, economy, we're not really gonna move the needle forward. And now, if we needed any evidence of that, the last six months has pointed it out very dramatically that the inequities, the lack of safety nets in our economy in the United States specifically has really forced an economic crisis in addition to a health and a social justice crisis. We need this SWI. We need to th start talking about the economy as a life economy instead of a death economy. It's never been more essential. I am proud to be part of it. It was inspired by a woman who, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, is, has been for me a personal hero. Dr. Rian Eisler was uh, a refugee as a child from uh, Nazi Austria. She escaped with her parents to Havana, Cuba, and then to the United States. Dr. Eisler came up with a social wealth economic indicator about 10 years ago. And her, through her work and through her uh, influence, all of us are now really committed, especially with what's happened recently, to making sure that this gets embedded in our government policy, if possible, in our banking policy, and in our business policy. I love that. Uh, talk about showing up as a leader. That's so awesome. That's that's fantastic. Yay. Yay for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, so I want to ask you a couple of questions that I'm asking all guests, guests related to you showing up as a leader. And so one of the things you talked about, the starting somewhere as well as progress more than perfection. Um, one of the things that I've learned is that we all can get in our own ways, right? And part of being human is we all have times where we tell ourselves self-limiting stories that, that keep us small. Or maybe I'm not going to speak up or maybe I'm not. So I'm curious for you, you've been really successful. You're a leader in so many areas of your lives. What is a self-limiting story that you tell yourself and how do you move beyond it when it shows up so that you can still show up as a the self-limiting story and narrative that's dangerous that, I, that I've been guilty of is that unless I do something big or brilliant 
or dramatic or, or really, you know, talk to a big audience that, that I'm not going to make a difference. That if I don't change the world, I'm not a good leader. Uh, so the self-limiting story is, is that it has to be big enough or dramatic and it doesn't. So it goes back to that start somewhere and progress, not perfection. But it's about, I've got to change my world every day, wake up and be the kind of leader, whether I am leading a client in a conversation or leading uh, people talking to their children, whatever I am doing, I have got to start thinking about changing my world instead of always changing the world. It, it's not always going to happen. Yeah. And I've always thought, you know, I didn't think about being a ripple and the ripple effect can be as big as the tidal wave. It can really, you know, create a ripple that really can be felt. I always kind of thought I was on my own sometimes, that self-limiting story as, especially in the early days of the fashion industry, women didn't, didn't go beyond a certain point. So I always thought, you know, I had to just do it myself. I didn't realize that we are all not just dependent, we are interdependent. I love that. I love that so much, right? You, using the advice that you're giving others for yourself when you're like, oh, wait, no, it doesn't have to be grand. And, and yeah, I think that, you know, you wake up every day and go, how can I make a positive impact around me, right? Whether it's my family, whether it's my neighbors, whether it's, and I think you're right, that ripple effect, if we all start trying to have that mindset, that's how we start to have momentum and, and, the, and change the world, right? Versus if we start with our little, whatever that, I love that. So speaking then of that ripple, I want to ask you kind of two different facets. What is one impactful way that you are showing up right now as a leader in your work work where you feel like you're making that big difference, whatever that looks like? Yes. Um, one of the things that I have done, okay, as a business leader, many of, of us as business leaders have, have gone between being the sage on the stage because we're expert at something and, and we get known or being the guide on the side. Mm. So, you know, being the sage on the stage or the guide on the side, they're not mutually exclusive. But I would say that what I'm doing more and more as I um, work with clients and because the three of us partners, the other two women and I, we, we've got a lot of experience in, under our belts. Uh, I think right now, what I'm doing now that's different, showing up at, at work with our clients, is really helping them, especially the people that we're working with, like uh, women who are minorities, you know, help, help them get on that stage, help them figure out how to become a sage on the stage. And I'm doing that, I think, for the first time, I'm tilting the balance more to becoming a guide on the side to help these young brands and companies and business leaders be the sages on the stage that we need for the future. I love that. You know, I think that, um, you know, what made me think of is sometimes I use the analogy uh, thing about the wizard of Oz. I'll say, you know, I'm the wizard behind the curtain. And I think that there's for, maybe it's with age, maybe it's, I don't know. I mean, not that I don't still enjoy being on a stage and whatnot, but there is such reward with whether it's, mentoring or something, or just someone uses a tool or uses a thought or whatever, and they start to get out of their own way and you see them shine. We have this great community. We talk about our paradigm pioneers and, and my business partner, John, and I always say that every month when we're with the graduate, just see the work they're doing, how they're, it's like, man, that by itself is so worth it to just sit back and go, you know, 
it's an abundance mind, mindset rather than a scarcity. And to see people stepping into their greatness and showing up as a leader, which is obviously the focus of this podcast, is just so, so awesome. So I love, I, I love that. I love oh. what you just said too. That is absolutely perfect. We are, we are in a moment in time where we can inspire and we can help. And I think that this has got to change. We have all got to realize we're in this together. And the way we used to think of leaders is, is changing very, very, very much due to people like you and people hopefully like me. We are changing the way we talk, the way we act, and the way we define leadership. It's really, really important. And that's why in the ABCs of Conscious Capitalism for Kids, L stands for loving leadership. And let me just say that 10 years ago, when you talked about leadership in business, nobody would ever put loving as an adjective before leadership. And now we realize how important it is for us to become fully human. We're on the brink of this to become fully human business leaders is one of the quotes in the book. And I didn't even know how perfect that would be when I talked to Dr. Rosie, because you're rehumanizing the workplace. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that's the other page I turned to and I was like, oh, so there we go. Kindred spirits. <laughs> so, I, so not on the flip side, I guess, uh, right? Because they're all interconnected. But what is an impactful way that you are showing up as a leader in your personal these days? I think showing up as a leader in my personal life are two things that I've already uh, mentioned. The one is being a, a grandparent and, and, and really helping, you know, build a uh, a world for my grandchildren and being an example to them, uh, helping them right now, you know, they're schooling remotely. It, it's an interesting time. Uh, so being, being part of a family and we're all being forced to, to be uh, with our families differently than we were eight months ago, six months ago. And that is, is big. And so I need to rise to the occasion. And the other is the work I'm doing with the social wealth index, because I think, we cannot, we cannot uh, forget about, you know, uh, that side of the economy that doesn't get any credit. You know, when we care for children, childcare is really a very important of the social wealth index and dovetails completely into the work I've been doing. Uh, I believe that we can't, you know, I quote Frederick Douglass because Frederick Douglass is one of my heroes and he was a remarkable human being. And he said over a century ago, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And we are living uh, that right now. It is business has got to build strong children because by doing so we'll build strong business. I love that. I love that. And I just, I love everything you're doing and um, so inspiring and, you know, it's just, so thank you. Thank you for, thank you for all you're doing. Um, so if you're up for it, um, uh, I like to wrap up with kind of a, a set of quick questions, uh, kind of rapid fire style. If you're, if you're willing to play along. Uh, oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. All right. Fantastic. So the first is fill in the blank. Living authentically is telling the truth. Even, even, even when it's hard, right? Absolutely. Yep. Telling the truth. Yep. When the world is presenting an opening, but you don't feel like showing up as a leader, what do you do? I go into the kitchen and I play music and I cook until that feeling of helplessness becomes less and it doesn't last for a long. But <clears throat> I always realize that we all have good days and bad days. 
sometimes we don't all show up great every day. And if you think you do, you're lying to yourself or to everyone else. So uh, I just, I get through it because of uh, food and music. <laughs> so so what, what, what's your go-to meal you cook? I grew up in the South, as I referred to several minutes ago. I can make amazing Southern food, but my uh, big thing is I can make a uh, blackberry crisp that's really good and I make the best sweet potato biscuits ever it's my mother's recipe so oh. sweet potato biscuits are my special nice <laughs> nice love that love that when's the last time you were courageous and how did you show up that was on a call uh late last week uh, with a group of young uh women uh we're talking to a very big uh group of women in the boardroom who are all white and uh, we had to get in front of them. And uh, it was about saying, these are things you need to know that maybe you haven't realized. And if you want to really change you know, business, if you wanna make sure that other people get a seat at the table, uh, you're gonna have to do the following things and you're gonna have to listen to these uh, women of color. Uh, so for me, the courageous thing was I said to these white women, that they have to share their mic. I mean, it has really never been more important to give up sometimes, you know, your podium and start handing it off to some of these uh, women of color and people of color who are gonna have to tell us what we're gonna need and tell us the truth. Goes I back love, to truth. Yeah, I love that. I love that, that's awesome. Something people would be surprised to know about. <laughs> I am a crazy, crazy about two things. I collect quotes. I mean, I just have quotes everywhere. So I could just come up, come up with one and my husband's probably tired of it. Uh, and I am an inveterate uh, crossword puzzle doer. Crossword puzzles help me think better. They're therapy sometimes. So I pride myself on doing the New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle in ink and I time myself. Oh so. my gosh, no way. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm not always perfect, but I try. It's hey, progress, not hey, perfection. Hey, that's, that, that, that's bold, bold aspirations. So Okay, so this, this is one of my favorite icebreakers that I ask people. So now we're going to get into to some more fun ones. So I call it the four C's. So if reality and money were no object, uh, what car would you want to have? Uh, what country would you want to visit? What cuisine would you want to eat? It doesn't have to be related to the country. And what celebrity, living or dead, would you want to eat that cuisine with? So the car, okay, I got it. the four yep. C's, car, country, cuisine, and celebrity. celebrity. Yes. Okay, the car uh, would be a Tesla. Uh, I just love Tesla. Uh, so I would own a Tesla. Right now we own a Prius. So I want, I want the latest really cool Tesla because I love it. Uh, the country, oh my, I've traveled all over the world. I've lived in places. I've lived in the UK. I lived in Italy. I lived in Hong Kong. I spent three months on the island of Guam. Uh, don't want to live in those places. I would say, I mean, they're all great. Country would be New Zealand because I think it's a remarkable country. And I've had just incredible time there. And the people there are amazing. And the uh, leader of that country is a fabulous woman. Uh -huh. uh, just FYI. Uh, the cuisine okay this is a trick question because i want to be able to have southern food and not have any of the negative health benefits hey so if it's real real reality is no object so there exactly. you go <laughs> i can eat all the fried chicken and sweet potato biscuits i want and nothing bad will happen to me health-wise and i'm there the celebrity ah uh, there are so 
many, but uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg springs to mind right now because of, of who she is and, and the timeliness uh, and everything. It's sad. Uh, but there is another person that I really, he and his wife are doing amazing things. Nicholas Kristoff. If I mm. could have a conversation with him and a dinner with him, a long dinner at, in New York with my husband and his wife, that would be an ideal, precious, precious. Love that. Love that. That would be very, very precious for sure. All right. Your favorite go-to movie. Wow. Well, I love, uh, so here for me, it's about a genre. Perhaps I should have admitted this before. Uh, I love, and I love uh, Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie is, is another person that I've read all of her stuff and seen all the movies. So any Hercule Poirot film, because I just, loved him. He said, you know, you got to use those little gray cells to figure out what's going on. So I'm all there. But I would also say, uh, oh, there've been so many films. My husband was a film critic, so I can't pick a film. There are too many great films. Films are wonderful. Got it. So, so you said you like to have music and cook. What is your go-to song? Anything by Simon and Garfunkel. Probably if I had to pick one, Sound of Silence. Oh yeah. That Hello is darkness. One. My old friend. I've yeah, come to it's talk, good to with talk you to again. you again. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and what is your signature dance move? Well, I just get up there and as, as some of my friends say, shake my booty. <laughs> I just like to move. <laughs> music makes me feel good. And I you love just can't, it. you can't hear great music or even bad music. You just got a beat. You can't not move. That's yeah. how I feel. I always say you got to shake what your mama gave you. <laughs> you got it. That's exactly. I love that. I love it. I love it. Um, in another life, your job or career, we? I would have created the kind of school for children that encouraged them to be the best they could be. And I would have taken many of the lessons from my mother. My mother was an educator. So I think in another life, I, I would have uh, tried to be uh, an educator and a teacher. And some of that is what I do now. So I think I think people who teach educators are to be admired, respected, and uh, I think they should be paid more. Amen for that. For sure. I know. For For sure. sure. I said, uh, after the spring um, e-learning, I said to my son's teacher, I hope that they give you a crown, a sash, a parade, and a big old raise, is what I said. Yes. My God. Agree. Perfect. Yes. 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 Well said. (laughs) Oh, all right. Uh, what's one thing you can't live without? My coffee and thing. I swear to God, I cannot. Uh, I've tried to get rid. I love coffee and I love my coffee strong. I have an espresso. I have to have that coffee. It's, it's one of those legal <laughs> stimulants <laughs> that I'm addicted to. I love coffee. Sorry, it jumpstarts your day. Uh, it does. Some, something in your ordinary daily life that makes your heart happy. Taking a walk. Uh, we live in Southern California. We are fortunate to live in a place where I walk outside and I walk in my neighborhood and I see beauty around me. That's nature's beauty. Uh, I I was in the Amazon rainforest a year ago at this time and it transformed the way I look at nature. So some of my neighbors laugh at me, but I actually go up to trees and I touch them. I don't maybe hug them, but I just, I look at them, feel them and touch them. I love every day being in touch with nature. It's given me a whole new perspective on how to think and how to deal with stuff going on. Love that. Love that. 
And last, what are you grateful for? Right, My family. So grateful for my family. I, uh, I have a husband. I have children and grandchildren. Uh, I have, you know, nieces and nephews, two brothers. I've never been more aware of how important family. I love that. Yes. It I is. love that. Well, and it's a blessing that you get to, you get to be around that and, and everything that they're teaching you and everything you're, t- so that's awesome. Perfect. Dr. Rosie, that is true. You oh. inspire me, Dr. So that's well, good. the feeling is mutual and I'm always so uplifted every time we talk and I just thank you for, for being on my podcast. Thank you for being you. Thank you for the work you're doing. Um, just so, so inspiring. You are so welcome. We are two awesome women, aren't we? We are, right? We're, we're going to change yes. the world and bring others with us. It's, 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 uh, it's not True. a solo journey, as we always say. No, it isn't. It isn't. We're going together. Thank you, Doctor. It's been so wonderful. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Show Up as a Leader. If you haven't yet subscribed, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Rosie Ward, and you can find me online at drrosieward.com, where you'll be able to sign up for my newsletter, check out the books I'm reading, and hear from the people I'm talking to. You can also get more information on what I'm up to professionally, including my coaching and speaking services. You can also find me on LinkedIn at rward, Facebook and Instagram at drrosieward, or email me at rosie at drrosieward.com. And I just want to remind you to remember that you have the choice every day to show up as a leader. So choose courage over comfort, embrace your humanity, and never, ever dull your sparkle. Take care, everyone.